You're listening to Subconscious Mind Mastery, podcast number 51. Today we're going to talk about journaling. Had one of you actually write in and request this, and it was something that I thought was a great request. And as I got to thinking about it, it really brought back some good memories. It got me back into, well, I don't think I'd really change the journaling, but it certainly put a a consciousness on it. And I wanted to generate the thoughts and kind of go back and look at what had happened over the course of the last several years. Now, you're listening to podcast number 51. If you are on iTunes and you're just finding us, this is uh, really kind of like a reality TV show series, or you might even say like a soap opera, (laughs) probably more like a soap opera. But this sequence this podcast is is in the chain of a sequence, so what I would suggest you do is go back to the early podcasts and get a context. This is a thing that builds on itself, and it's really unfortunate that it that it starts at the top with the highest number at the beginning on iTunes because really this begins with number one. So I would encourage you to go back and get the story because it's this is a piece, a slice of what happened in all of those other podcasts that we've talked about. This is like a life story of change. This is how a guy in his 40s turned his life around. And this was a big piece of it. But if you just start here and listen to this, it's going to be such an incomplete picture that you'll be left wondering, what in the world is this all about? So point taken, head south on the list and start there and work your way back up. I get a lot of emails from you guys and you say, oh, I found your podcasts and I'm listening through them. And that's the way to do this. With this one, that's the way to do it is just put on your headphones. And as you're doing your life, you can catch up and then this one will make a lot more sense. All right. So journaling became a big part of my life there in that 2008, 2009 timeframe when I went through my second divorce and just decided there is something wrong here and I have to make some changes. So I started to look at my life. It was really the first time in all of those years. I was 47 at the time. And after all those years, I quit looking out and started looking in. And that's when journaling became a part of that process. I never journaled growing up. I don't know. Do guys journal? Do boys journal when they're growing up? I know it's typical with girls, right? Or maybe not. I don't know. But I I would think that it's more common with young girls to journal than guys. But I really didn't start until those years in the RV. And that's when I got serious about it. And uh, really, it became for me almost um, a type of verbal doodling, if you will. It was a way to think on paper. And that's a good point right there, because it really began in my head. It was a way to get my head out on paper. And of course, since the transformation that you're aware of is that a lot of that driving force has shifted from the head to the heart. And so now and the journaling has shifted accordingly. So now when I journal, it's not so much about, let's say, things going on or what my thoughts are. But it's more about intuition, and we'll talk about that. I have that later at the very conclusion of the podcast. We'll talk about that shift. But at the beginning, it was really about getting – it was a brain dump. It was like getting the thoughts out. It was a way to flush it out, a way to vent almost because there was a lot of anger built up at that time. This was journaling not for the purpose of solutions or trying to set a plan, It was just getting it out. And some of you might be at that stage where if you just took up pen and paper and started brain dumping, just started almost, if you think about it, vomiting, just getting it out. Uh, 
when you have a stomach infection, you got the stomach flu, you know, one of the best things you can do, even though it's certainly not the most fun thing to do, is just get it out. And then after finally you've just, you you know, your stomach is sore, your abdomen is sore, you just, it's all out, then the body can start to heal. So I think there's definitely kind of a parallel analogy to that. Just get it out. If you're in that state, if you're in that low energy state and it's, uh, you're, you're wrestling, maybe you're at the point where you say, I've had it. I am changing my life. I don't know where I am. I don't know what I've come from. I have no idea where I'm going or how I'm going to do this. Just start to get it out. That's the beginning of the process. I began to look at old behaviors, looked at various scenes that I saw in my life where certain things happened, and I saw how I responded to those things. I went back and looked at major turning points in my life, the factors that were involved in those turning points, the decisions that I'd made, the impact on others of those decisions, key relationships, things that went positively. There weren't many of those, but there were a few. There were a few. As as you know, it wasn't totally bad, but I looked at the good and the bad. I looked at what worked, what didn't work what went wrong, and then finally started looking at what did I create. And I think that's another point that I finally began to accept personal responsibility. Now, at that phase, back in the RV and during that time of shifting, I looked at what did I create within the context of what everybody else was doing. It was still, it was, it was still, I didn't accept total personal responsibility. Probably at that point, maybe 25, 30, 40%, or maybe even half. Maybe it was like, okay, I'm going to own half of this, but all these other people. So there was still the element of I was looking out and blaming others or being a victim of what others had done. Oh, this person offended me or, oh, this person did this or that. And so there was still a lot of that in the space. That is now probably 90% gone. And now whenever anything happens, the first thing I really go to anymore is what did I do to create this? I attracted this. I drew it in. I magnified it. I brought it up. What did I do to create that? So I'm owning personal responsibility. And that remaining 10% is just the old gnarly self that's still in there that either through uh, coaching or journaling or just thinking about it, taking a shower, you know, whatever, it usually goes away. But as I'm kind of thinking about this, boy, there was a lot back there and of an underlying uh, attitude of how in the world could all this many people not get it? <laughs> you know, it was like, wait a minute, knock, knock. Hello. Uh, but that's that started to change, and the journaling was a part of, of unwinding that, and that's just what I say. And when I talk about journaling, y'all, I have probably 10 or 12 journals, and I, I'll tell you the kind of journal that I use at the end of the podcast, but back then I was using an 8.5 by 11 size. I've shrunk it down now, and one of the reasons is portability, but back then I was using this big journal, and every page of those are full. And it's amazing to go back. I was... Um, looking at them not long ago and just scanned through the pages and realized how much writing I had done. I mean, we're talking about a dozen, you know, half-inch thick journals over the course of this time. So this became a real routine, daily part of my life. And I have to have to confess that on some of the pages, you'll look down and there will be uh, some water drops because it was over a lot of tears that came up through this. This is not an easy process. And I respect that. If you're in a real significant point of pain, make sure that you have a support system around you as this starts to come up and come out. 
and make sure that you have help. And even if you need medical help, uh, seek that out because this is a real uh, gut-wrenching process. And, and a lot of pain can come up here. But again, you have to get it out. You have to vomit. You have to throw up in order to heal. So a lot of the other part of the pain, and this was, this was significant, was my upbringing. Uh, a lot of time spent on my relationship with my mom. Definitely the 80-20 rule. More with mom, probably 20% with dad. I had a great relationship with my dad. It was mom where most of the challenges came from. And I regurgitated all of that. And I looked at the influences and I looked at the connection. And I realized that in resisting her, how much I had become like her. And, of course, more pain, more tears. I also saw what had happened with my brother. And I finally began, it really opened my eyes, and I finally began to see me as my brother. It happened in church one morning, and I've told about, I've talked about it in one of the podcasts in the past, how my, op- my eyes just opened, and I saw the timeline through my brother's eyes, and I bawled and bawled and bawled. Because I'll tell you what this does. It causes you to relive the pain. There's no way that you can block it out. Now, once you've relived it, once you've regurgitated it, once you've visited the thing, the key here is that you're not going to stay in it. Because this is about change. It's about transformation. It's about you doing different things in your life. And maybe for some people, this is very possible. Maybe for some people, you don't need to go back and visit that pain. I'm just saying what worked for me. So this is not a blanket, one-fits-all suit here. You might do well to stay away from that pain. You might have built layers and years of blocks, of cocoon, a shell, layers over that pain and never for it to be re-entered into again. It might be like an Egyptian sarcophagus. Well, if that's the case, leave it there. This is not intended to be a talk on on therapy and and how to solve all problems and how to resolve all pasts. This is what happened to me. This is what I did. Take from it what's useful to you. But I'm telling you, I couldn't have changed until I went through this process. And it was only through releasing it. It was only through getting it was only through staring it in the face, eye to eye, how I was for my brother, how it was with my mom, how I missed things with my dad. All of that had to just stare me in the face, and I had to look at it and say, is this who you're going to continue to be for the rest of your life? I saw that how my brother and others in my life separated from me because they were doing the only thing they could do to survive. My brother was only doing the thing he could do to be my brother, and that was to try to not be my brother. I get it. I saw it. And I'll tell you, it, it, that one, whoa, it even got me here just a little bit talking about this. I went back and looked at fears. I looked at the early on childhood fears. I came in afraid. I'll tell you the, some words that have haunted me since I first heard them were Fred Dodson's, we don't come into this a blank slate. And I realized that I came in afraid and I've been working on that all my life. And when things come up, it still is something that I have to look at and I have to deal with. I'm in the middle of recording Fred's book, Levels of Energy, and it's, it's really helping me realize how much of my early life I spend in these lower energy levels and what you have to do to raise them up. But I saw the timeline. I mean, I saw how 
in essence, this fear caused all these major decisions of my life, things that I decided, the forks in the road, things I decided to go this way or that way based on fear, changes of direction, jobs left because of fear, jobs lost because of fear, how the, cre- how the fear created more fear. Because, of course, what you magnify and focus on, you expand and attract. So I created fearful situations through it. I went back and looked at the failed marriages. And, of course, number two was the trigger for all of this. I grew up as a Baptist Christian perspective that marriage was to last forever. And here were two women that couldn't stand to live with me. So finally the question came up, geez, I better figure out what uh, these, these two ladies can't live with. And that's really what started all this. So I looked at the relationship through their eyes as best I could. And then I began to look at the career and reconstructed that, basically. Reconstructed my resume, if you will, in my journal. What decisions I had made. What if I had stayed in Arkansas, anchoring the news at 21 years old, a senior in college? What if I had stayed there? What if I had stayed in television news? And these were, you know, the, the what if is obviously a question you can't answer. And some people would say, well, that doesn't serve you. Again, and I would I would basically fundamentally agree with that, that asking what if and looking back at things like that, I'm just telling you, for me, I had to go clean it out. That was the part, if you're going to clean out your winter clothes and get that space freed up in your closet and you're going to give it to a charity, you have to go through it. You have to look at each garment and you have to decide, am I keeping this? Have I worn it in the last two years? Is this in style anymore? Does it fit anymore? All of those things. And then you have to box it up. You have to take the box someplace or have them. I mean, there's a process. You don't just clear it out. So for me, that was part of the process. And again, I'm just throwing things down here and whatever works for you is certainly, I hope some of it will be helpful. Another thing that came into my life at exactly that same time was landmark education. And I went through several of the landmark courses and was affiliated with that for a while. And it became uh, kind of the, uh, well, what it was for me was almost like going back to college in life 101 because it was a completely new perspective on life. So I took a lot of notes on that material and went back and reviewed those notes quite a bit. Now, here's a manifesting technique, by the way. If if you want to have things accelerate in your life, write out what you would want as though you were writing a press release of an event that had already happened. <laughs> you get the idea of this? Write it as a news story. Thomas Miller this week, fill in the blank, became a major talk show radio host in New York City. I mean, I don't know, whatever it is that you're putting out into the universe, write it as a press release. So there's something about writing. Have you heard of that um, game? I've, I've done this a couple of times in the past. On New Year's Eve, you have a New Year's Eve party with your friends. You write out on a piece of paper things that you would like to see in your life next New Year's Eve. And generally, if this is a group type thing, you have a host and like we used to do it on a street that we lived in and it was a rotating New Year's Eve party every year. And so um, somebody would just say, well, I'll keep them and then I'll bring them to the party next year. Well, if you have that availability or sometimes they would just hand them to you and your deal is put it in a drawer, don't look at it, pull it out next New Year's Eve and see what it looks like. And you'll be amazed at how many things on that list come true. The other manifesting technique tied to this is after you've written it as a press release, rewrite it again. Now, you might do this in a journal. You might want to do it on a word processor on your computer. 
but turn it into a speech and then give the speech out loud. Give it to a mirror. Give it to your dog or your cat. Do it as though you were in a small crowd or in a large audience, but give the speech as though you were a public speaker. That is a deadly one-two manifestation technique that will expedite things coming into your life. There is magic in creating words. Keep in mind, words are nothing more than thoughts manifest onto paper. And you know thoughts become things. So be really careful what you write because thoughts indeed do become things. Well, that was pretty much phase one. So then the journaling began to transform. The next phase really changed into creating. So I would start to journal and write about what a perfect job would look like, what a perfect relationship would look like, perfect geographic location. Now, big, 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 big caution here. And I have to, I mean, just like really stop with what I just said, because in doing that, if you're not careful, you will create a situation of lack. So before you do this, I would suggest a book. Get Esther Hicks, Ask and It Is Given, Learning to Manifest Your Desires, forward by Wayne Dyer. I'm reading it right now. Awesome, 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 awesome read. And it's something that you definitely should have in your uh, library of books. Mine now are starting to accumulate in the Kindle. I was about to say on your shelf, but now it's, <laughs> if you do it like I'm doing it, you can carry them around in your backpack, keep it on your Kindle or your e-reader of choice, whatever that is. But this book will help you formulate, I would almost suggest you read it or read at least the first part of it up until about, I don't know, chapter 10 or something. The chapters are really short. But if you'll read that, you'll get the context of before you start creating on paper, make sure that you're creating something that you're going to draw in, not something that you're going to use to say, oh, this is my perfect job and where I am sucks so bad. Because as you focus on your current job or your current relationship or your current whatever, dot, 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 that sucks and you're not looking out there at what you're giving your attention to as though it is real today, that's the hardest thing to do. Remember, Wallace Waddles, 101, right? That is the hardest thing to do is sustain that thought as though that is a reality while you get suited up to go to work at the job that you hate today. I was thinking as I was preparing and putting some notes together for this for this today, I thought, I wondered if I if I had read that book back then, would I would I have saved some time at least? Would I have not created that lack? And I don't think so. Reason is this material, this way of being and this way of living was so new to me back then that I, I just didn't have the basis of it. Would it have helped? Absolutely. It's a great book. But would it have changed things? I don't think so, because I was still reading The Science of Getting Rich and was, was immersing myself in this material, but it just it hadn't clicked the same way. So this is a growth process, right? But I just underscore that caution. Don't do this so that you focus on the now. Do this to realize that your creation goes out into the universe and if you give your energy to focusing exclusively on that, not where you are right now, it's a universal law that where you laser your focus, that will be attracted into your life if you start vibrating on that frequency. And that is where Fred says things start pursuing you. 
And that's the next phase in your journaling, because as you start to create, then cool new things will start to come into your life. Things that you created will start showing up. And now you get to write and journal about these things from a perspective of gratitude. So another point is journaling gratitude. I had learned this hmm, 15 years ago working in through some uh, Tony Robbins coaching program. And they said, do a gratitude journal and write down three things every day that you're grateful for. And I thought, okay, great. Uh, And then they said, oh, three different things every day. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Really? I just wasn't in a space of gratitude. But in reading Levels of Energy, Fred Dodson's book that I'm doing the audio book on now, Levels of Energy, Fred talks about two of the highest levels of energy are gratitude and love. So when you journal gratitude as often as you can, I would say three things every day, four, five, six, it it automatically puts you in a higher level of energy. And remember, attraction, frequency, vibration, that's what Esther Hicks' book, Ask and It Is Given, is all about, is that when you tune into that frequency, then the things on that frequency are what are magnetized into your life. So attraction takes place based on the level of energy that you're vibrating. So if you're vibrating gratitude, the universe will give you more things to be grateful for. It's a great, simple concept, but you don't think about, well, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to be grateful. It's like Thanksgiving, right? Dear Lord, we are grateful for our country. Dear Lord, we are grateful for this food. Thank you for Aunt Joe and Betty Sue. You know, and you think of gratitude being something rote that we do as an expression through prayer or God or whatever. It's it's not that. I mean, it certainly should be. And that's the ultimate connection. Like you say, gratitude and love are the two highest frequencies you can vibrate on. So take yourself up to that frequency. Bob Proctor's affirmations, he began all of them with, I am so happy and grateful, fill in the blank. And what he's doing there are covering both emotions because the vibration you want to feel is good, so I'm happy and grateful. I had an overwhelming recent gratitude moment. I'm I'm talking one of those where it just grips you with gratitude. It was a beautiful feeling. And I was was reading through uh, Esther Hicks' book, and I was overwhelmed with gratitude of seeing that how everything in my life that I had focused on and had given the feeling of love and happiness, had manifested. Now, some of those things didn't turn out so well, but I'll tell you, they were exactly what I wanted in that moment. They were where I was vibrating in that moment. Yeah, I didn't have all the tools in my toolbox back then, and sometimes I would have, you know, rewritten the script today. But the cool part is, and what I, what really just gripped me about the gratitude was, this works This is how the universe works. So I was able to go back and see how everything that I had fallen in love with manifested. I just thought, wow, what can I do with that today? And it got exciting, but I was really, really thankful. And I just, I stopped right where I was and I bowed my head and I closed my eyes and just in a deep heartfelt expression of gratitude, said a prayer and expressed that. Well, then things continued to grow, and the next phase of journaling became journaling basically what I would say is in spirit or journaling spirit, 
And this really opened up, I think, the first time from that angel deck from Doreen Virtue that I got, because it connected me on a spiritual plane. It connected me with different things spiritually that I hadn't been experiencing up until now. And one of the cards, or several of the cards, this a series, just the communication that was, was beginning to develop and opening up. The communication was that you can do this. So now I mostly journal events and thoughts and expressions that are coming from inside. Especially I journal things that I want to create, but now it's in the context of communicating with spirit, my inner heart, that that still small voice. And for me, it gets louder on paper. There certainly are a lot of ways that you can connect with your inner self inner, and times and, and various methodologies. But for me, it just seems to get louder on paper. For you, obviously, ask or seek out what level you want to communicate on and explore that. Because ultimately, these are my suggestions just being thrown out, but this is all about what works for you. So now, some of that capturing from intuition involves instructions, things to do next, and that will come clearly. You remember my story about go to Kansas City, your mom's in a nursing home in Kansas City. I mean, that's one of those types of things. Now, that didn't come particularly uh, through writing, but it certainly was staged by writing and other things around that developed through writing. Guidance, just being refreshed. Hey, everything is okay. You're on the right path. Keep doing this because once you start to listen to your intuition, that will lead you down the right direction. Stop listening to other people. Stop reading books. Stop reading. Stop getting advice. Go inside. That's where your answers are. The other thing that comes up is just a lot of love. And this is consistent with things that I've read, like uh, some of the near-death experiences. I'm thinking about that one that Wayne Dyer promotes, uh, Nori. Dying to be me is the book. And she talks about it. She was a cancer patient. And almost she did die and then came back. And she wrote a book to tell about that. But what she expressed was, as she was in that moment of transition, unconditional, unbelievable, indescribable love. And that has come up quite a bit as well. All right, a couple of questions. Do you go back and read your old notes? <laughs> That's a good question. No, not much. Um, that's see that's what i'm saying is the past is the past the, that's gone that was done it was part of a therapeutic process maybe at some point if i had nothing to do which is like never right now i might go back and uh, you know be inclined if if i was led to do that maybe so but that's no i keep the journals but i don't read the old notes what kind of journal is best well i use the moleskin soft leather I mentioned before that I had started using 8.5 by 11. I'd just go to the office supply store and buy whatever they had. But then I found these moleskins, found them in Barnes & Noble, and then um, subsequently buy them on Amazon and various other places. But the moleskin soft leather, to me, just has a great feel. Number one, I like the leather. I like the pliable versus the uh, the hard side. And it fits real well in um, what the bags that I carry around during the day, the work bags where my computer and everything is. And so it's always handy. If something comes up, boom, it's right there. It's accessible. Now, another place to think about keeping your journal with you is when you go to bed at night. Keep it on your nightstand or close by because a couple of things. One is when you're going to sleep and when you're waking up, 
Those are some of your closest connections to your subconscious mind. And you'll get thoughts and ideas that if you will take a minute and just capture, you'll be amazed at looking at the at back at those. Those are And if you don't capture them, a lot of the time, you won't remember them. The other thing that I would do for a while and still do periodically is capture dreams at night. So if you have a dream and you're just waking up and you remember it for only a few brief seconds, I mean, passing fast, capture that. Capture what the dream was. That's a good way to journal as well. Another question, is there a particular time of day? Well, I just answered about half of that, but no, not necessarily. However, when I was working through everything in the RV, it would be in the evenings. I was out there by myself, nature, uh, had the reclining lawn chair, and usually it was me, the lawn chair, a glass of wine, and the frogs croaking in the background. Oh, and a, of course, a bottle of mosquito spray as well. But I would do that and just sit out there and literally for hours, I had a little lantern that I would, one of those headlamps, actually. And as it got dark, I'd slap that thing on and just keep going. And, and that's what did it for me. Okay, a couple of takeaways. First of all, do it. It's like the, the, the Nike slogan, right? Just do it. Start. Start today. Carry a journal with you everywhere. And because you're capturing your life in this and it's important to you, put your name in the front of it and ask specifically that it be returned. Say something like, this is my life journal and it's important to me. I would appreciate it if you would contact me and I'd be happy to compensate you if you'd return it to me. And put your name and email in there. I mean, you don't have to put your phone number if you don't want, but just some way that they can get in touch with you easily if it is found. And of course, another big point is there are no points. There are no rules. This is something that you are going to do for yourself, the way that it works best for you. What you've been listening to, as I've said several times, is what worked for me. You adopt it for yourself. And another thing is enjoy it and just get lost in it. You might say, well, I'm not a very good writer. Well, just write what the pen wants to write. <laughs> let, let, your, let your inner guide do the writing for you. And the other thing is use it as a tool to manifest. It is, it is one of the best. So use it as a tool to bring things into your life. So that's it. Thoughts on journaling. I do hope that you will, if you, if you don't already, I do hope that you will. And if you are already, I hope there are a couple of things in there that might help. Housekeeping, if you haven't done so already, pick up the audiobook Parallel Universes to Self and a set of headphones, and it will change your life. Levels of energy is going to be equally great. And we're about halfway through, but until we get that done, pick up Parallel Universes of Self, Fred Dodson. And if you would like reminders when this podcast is released, go to the website, subconsciousmindmastery.com. Up in the right-hand side, there is a box that you fill out your email address. And that's all we do with that is just remind you, you'll get it in the morning, the day after a podcast is released. Thank you very much again. We will see you along the way. And while you're journaling, enjoy the journey. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.